just always been conscious and wanted to do the right thing and, and do something more than just make money. Alexander said, that's what conscious capitalists do. We just feel like we want to, like he wanted to make a bigger impact and make the world a better place. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Mid Money. Have you ever heard of conscious capitalism? It's perhaps one of the largest movements presently in the business landscape. Large and small companies alike are all embracing being more conscious. So what is this exactly? According to Conscious Capitalism, Inc., it's driven by the philosophy that business should exist for reasons beyond profit and should work to elevate humanity. As the movement has been growing, so too has the interest in joining. So today, I'm happy to have on two guests to chat about this. Joining me first is Alexander McCobin, who is the current CEO of Conscious Capitalism, Inc., a role that he served in since 2017. As you'll see during the interview, Alex has a big passion for the movement, which has taken him across the globe and spoken to many Fortune 500 business leaders. Also joining us in this discussion is a model company that has elevated humanity through their business, which is Roy Spencer, who is the current president of Permaseal Basement Systems. Roy's background is very unique as his business has been around since 1979 and has grown it into one of the most successful basement waterproofing and foundation repair companies in Chicago, which according to their website, and this is crazy, they've now worked on almost half a million homes, which I thought that number to be mind-boggling when I saw it. So quite impressive. And they've also been named as a top workplace in 2021 in the United States. In today's episode, we dive headfirst into why companies should be more conscious, what that change to be more conscious means for a business, and how exactly do people get started with this process. So welcome, Alex and Roy, to Mint Money. Thanks for having us, William. Thank you, William. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And so I've had this date circle in my calendar for a long time. So let's go ahead and get started and dive right in. So first off question for you, Alex, do you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your role within conscious capitalism? And then also, why do you believe conscious capitalism has become so popular in recent years? So my story is that when I was a teenager, I had entrepreneurial instincts. I started and ran several small businesses, both for-profit and non-profit, but they were just fun side projects. I wanted to make the world a more just, a fairer, more moral place and didn't see business as a way of doing that at the time. So I figured I would go become a philosophy professor. That's how you change the world. And started working on a PhD in philosophy, but kept feeling this pull back into business. I started to specialize in business ethics and began writing a dissertation on corporate moral responsibility when this book came out in 2013, Conscious Capitalism. And when I read it, I thought, this is everything that I'm doing research on. I should go to the first conference they're putting on to learn more about this for my dissertation. And I actually left so inspired by meeting business leaders like Roy and John Mackey from Whole Foods, Kip Tyndall at the Container Store, that within a year, I dropped out of the PhD program, never finished that, went back to one of the organizations I had started when I was younger and built that into a multi-million dollar organization on conscious capitalist principles. And so in 2016, when conscious capitalism was reaching an inflection point and really wanted to go 
from being a small group of CEOs to a global movement of business leaders committed to these principles, improving both the practice and perception of capitalism to elevate humanity. It was the one thing that could have taken me away because I saw the potential in this movement to change the world. And what is so exciting is that even in the last five and a half years that I've been at Conscious Capitalism, we've seen a market shift in the way the world looks at business and capitalism and the way business looks at itself nowadays. When the book was published in 2013, it was a fringe idea. It wasn't talked about in boardrooms, it was not presented at conferences. And so the organization and movement focused on just persuading people that this is a better way of doing business, that conscious capitalism is a good thing. And that's changed. It has become popular, especially since COVID, actually, when more businesses have realized they need to lean into conscious capitalist principles, like having a higher purpose than just maximizing profit and taking care of all of their stakeholders in order to get through this pandemic and come out stronger on the other side, that this is the future of business. And so we're making the pivot now from trying to persuade people that conscious capitalism is the right thing to do to actually showing what it looks like in practice with businesses that have been doing this for a long time to help more people adopt these principles and get more people to go into business as conscious capitalists to solve the world's greatest problems. That is quite impressive. I really appreciate you touching on that. And now going over to Roy. So for your business, you've made quite the successful company from waterproofing and foundation repair. What was the idea process for starting this business back in 1979? And then also, what was the inspiration behind creating the Basement Defender? I was perusing around your website prior to this interview, and I thought that that idea for that product was just so unique. No, I'd be happy to. First of all, thank you for sharing, Alexander. I hadn't heard your story that way, and just struck me how we came to conscious capitalism through different portals, if you will. You're kind of the macro, philosophical, existential in seeking to make the world a better place. And my story is I grew up in Valparaiso, Indiana, a small town. I, I always say I had an advantaged childhood. I was economically disadvantaged. My father had left my mother with five kids and we all kind of had to fend for ourselves. So I had the advantage of learning very quickly. If I wanted something in life, I was going to have to work and earn it and things like that. So I worked throughout my high school. And even as a small child, I was mowing lawns and delivering newspapers and selling seeds to my neighbors and entrepreneurial that way more by necessity than anything else. But I did have advantage of a great school system and most importantly, great values from my grandparents and stuff and just teaching me right from wrong. And I just learned that not to be afraid of hard work and do things right. I worked my way through school, graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. When I got out, I it was uh, 1979. It was kind of a challenging era, I'll say 1975 rather, I graduated, answered an ad in the paper for a company, I wasn't even sure what they did, it was a management trainee, and I showed up, interviewed twice, they hired me and gave me a shovel and said, here, manage this, and I go, well, <laughs> okay, turned out with a basement waterproofing company, but as I worked my way into management, I realized, whoa, this isn't right, what they're doing is not what we told the homeowner, it's not going to be permanent repair, and I thought, well, I wasn't raised this way. I don't mind working hard and things like that in long hours, but it's got to be ethical. And so I went to work for another waterproofing company and they said, oh, we're bigger, we're better. And unfortunately, they were bigger, but not better. And they were also unethical. And I looked at the whole industry and it was filled with gimmickry and charlatanism and just weren't any good players in the market. So I thought, oh, I got to go do something else then. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I know what not to do. So that was really the seeds of Permaseal. I literally had 1,700 hours in a bank and a wife and a baby and a, 
a one-bedroom apartment and an F-150 pickup truck and put an ad in a paper, well, waterproof for food or words to that effect. And started off, I, I just wanted to do the right thing. Nobody was doing it. So I just started it myself and it, it's worked out very well for me. As far as the Basement Defender, actually, that's one of our latest innovations. One of our core values is to be innovative. So we've over 42 years now, we've been in business and we've continually added products and services, largely by listening to homeowners and, hey, can you do this? We need this. And basement's dry, but it still smells damp and musty. Can you help me with that? So we keep adding products and services, sewer backup and crawl space encapsulation and other things. Our goal has always been to make basements permanently dry. And the most common cause of failure, no matter how good a work we would do, would be pumps. Pumps are mechanical things. All pumps fail, even battery backup pumps, batteries, chargers, pumps, they all fail. And the problem is people don't know they fail until they have a flood and then it's too late. So after nearly 35 years of dealing with these challenges, I thought there's got to be a better way. And I talked to an engineer, he says, I can do that. And do what? He says, I can test your pumps every day. And so that was the genesis of Basement Defender. So it's the only one on the market. It's my only patent, if you will, patent a device that will actually test your pumps every day so that you know you're not going to have a flood. Most people, if I ask them if your sump pump's working, I think it is, I hope it is, I don't know. Now you will know because you have an app on your phone, say it was tested this morning, everything's fine going about your business. No, quite impressive. And I know here locally, there's been, I know prior to the call, we were talking just a little about some of the floods that have happened here in mid-Michigan over the last couple of years, unfortunately. And it sounds like some of that technology could have certainly uh, helped out quite a lot of homeowners out there. So I appreciate you mentioning that, but then something also that you mentioned was part of your values. And I know for a lot of businesses out there, it's maybe something that's touched upon once, maybe during the initial business planning and kind of thrown out past then off to the wayside as the business goes up and gets going. And so through doing research on yourself and your business, I can see that all these values mean a lot to you. So why do you think that's so important to always stay cognizant of what your values are as a business and also as a person too? Well, first and foremost, I spent a lot of time in my life and my family has in our business. We decided years ago that they can't be two separate things. I have to be the same person I am at work as I am at home just to be authentic to myself and to make it work. You know, otherwise a business is consuming. And if you don't really enjoy your work and you can't be yourself, it's going to cause conflicts at home and things like that. So fortunately, like I say, uh, in these core values, I was blessed with as a child and brought up with are great core values to establish a business. You know, we work hard, seriously. We strive to be better. We do what we say we're going to do. We are compassionate. We inspire creativity, optimism, and fun. So that's just who we are. And that's just as I grew my business and I hired my first employee and then my second, third, and I was training them and that was all good. I was working right with them and it was easy to interview and train people. And this is how we do things here. But as the business grew, I wasn't interviewing everybody. I wasn't training them and things. And I give my wife, Laura Ann, credit. She says, we've got to institutionalize these things. So that's where we became very intentional about our core values and our mission and things like that. Put them down in paper so that new people coming in or our managers and other personnel make sure that they were coming into the right organization and they know how we do the work. And so I think it's really important that you don't just put these words on a wall, that you use them every day. And we do in recruiting, interviewing, coaching, disciplining, and rewarding our employers. We use these core values in that language every day. 
What was the inspiration for you to make the company more conscious in nature? Was it something to where it sounds like it's been in place in one form or fashion, but then I guess, what was that pivotal moment to where you kind of made that shift to be more conscious? Well, like I say, we just always been conscious and wanted to do the right thing and do something more than just make money. Alexander said, that's what conscious capitalists do. We just feel like we want to, like he wanted to make a bigger impact and make the world a better place. That happens to be the mission statement for our company, just because it is something that I feel is big enough. We're not going to outgrow that. And there's so many ways we do. And it sounds a little maybe ambitious for a foundation contractor. I'm going to make the world a better place, but we do and we do it every day. Like you say, we've helped nearly half million customers make their homes healthier, more valuable. We've got now nearly 300 employees that we provide a great career opportunities and a great place to work for themselves and their family. And then we give to our communities, both local, national, and even globally, we support causes. So it really gives importance to not just myself, but all our employees understand, and they love that. It makes them more engaged and more passionate about their work, and their work is more meaningful to them. So the point, I guess, getting credit to my wife when she says, you know, we've got to be more intentional about this. We've got to get this stuff in writing and things. And then also I have to give credit to Conscious Capitalism, the national organization. I just kind of bumped into that. What was that? Maybe eight years ago. Prior to that, I didn't know anybody else was out there. I just figured, well, we're doing our business a little different than most companies. I used to refer to it as benevolent capitalism because I just knew it was different. I was trying to describe what we were doing. And then I ran into a, another fellow who was telling me about his business. And he said, oh, you got to meet these people at Conscious Capitalism. And I'm so glad I did because you get the support of a community now and you hear best practices, you meet outstanding people and other people who are going down the same path. So you don't feel like you're alone. And as Alexander alluded to, this is a great and growing movement. And thank goodness it is. These are very trying times and our world and our young people are looking for solutions. And I firmly believe that capitalism and conscious capitalism can provide those solutions. That's such a beautiful answer. And then for yourself, I noticed a couple things in the answer for you. What was that change to be more conscious meant for your business? Just from initial kind of thinking, it sounded like it made a lot of improvements, but while it was in place for a while, did it also help once you kind of establish those guardrails? Did it help at all with staff turnover? Did it lead to a happier, more engaged staff? Yeah, absolutely. Every day. We've had some very challenging times, as all businesses do. When your employees are engaged, it's, I forget who used the analogy, but some people look at their employees and their people as like a resource, like coal or something. You just burn through it. I look at people more as the sun, a never-ending, incredible resource. And that's how people are. They're amazing. But only if they're engaged and they care and they know that you care and that their work is important and things. And once they understand that, it's amazing. That's their biggest asset, clearly, is our people. It's just a win-win. It's a great model for businesses. I have a fellow business owner say, really, how can you afford to do this? Take care of your employees and your community and your customers. You know, How can you afford to do that? Man, I got bills to pay. <laughs> I couldn't have grown like this and prospered like this if I weren't a conscious capitalist. And I couldn't afford not to be a conscious capitalist, if you will. Of course, that makes great sense. And so let's imagine there's a business that wants to become more conscious in nature. How would someone go about starting that process, whether maybe they bump into you, Alex, or you, Roy, at a potential event within their own region? 
What's that process look like? But then also, I know that this question could vary all over the place, but what's the average length and time for someone to get immersed within this process and then to go through the process to really transform their company to be more conscious? I'll start, but I'd love to hear your answer then, Roy, because there are two ways to do this. One is to start your business on conscious capitalist principles, which is much easier to do. So every entrepreneur listening is in a great position to have a higher purpose from the beginning, to have a framework to take care of their stakeholders and really lean into conscious leadership and cultures. If you're making a change in a business, it's really going to vary based on where the business is right now. There are a lot of companies out there, kind of like Roy, when he discovered the conscious capitalism movement, who are unconscious conscious capitalists already. And so it's just improving upon there because this work is never done. You keep getting better at it. And others, you have to make a big change and you're going to need to give it time. It's not going to be something that happens overnight or in the course of a week or a month. It'll be years. And it's something that you have to keep working on. Like I said, it's never done. So you need to continue to be a champion for these principles, enlist others in the organization to buy into them as well, and keep reflecting on how you can do better at it. Yeah, I would agree with that. First of all, it's all about authenticity. So one of the basic tenets of conscious capitalism is it has to be bought into from the very top. The leader of the organization has to believe in this mission and these core principles, or it's not going to stick. There's a lot of corporations and businesses out there have great mission statements and, and core values written on the wall, but the employees are the first ones to recognize, hey, they're not walking the talk and that's not really what they're doing. This is greenwashing or whatever the term is for it. So it really has to be authentic. So my recommendation, you know, if a, a business owner wants to become more intentional about it, is reach out to Conscious Capitalism, is it consciouscapitalism.org and get involved reach out to me or another conscious capitalism and say, hey, what kind of things are you doing? And the first thing I'm going to do is tell them is like, well, let's sit down and what's important to you? What's your mission? You know, and what are your core values and things? And just become more intentional and get them down on paper so you can talk intelligibly and then start making a plan on how to build a culture, an intentional culture. Like say every organization has a culture. And as Alexander said, it's a journey. It's not a destination. Oh, great. We got culture now. Check. No, <laughs> every day it can change for better or for worse. But once you've got it started in the right direction and you have authentic people and the right mission and core values and you implement those every day, it gets easier as you go. I appreciate you touching on that. That's definitely some really good advice to really help get on that path. And if people want to go explore more into those things, those are some great resources. And so Moving now into our signature question for both you, Roy, and Alex as well. doesn't matter who answers this first, but at TriStar, while we provide comprehensive wealth management services to our clients, at the center of all this are relationships. Building genuine relationships is something that we talk about every day, and I'm sure that you both find relationships as a key part of being part of the community at Conscious Capitalism and at Permaseal. So can you both talk about that and maybe share some examples you've experienced firsthand with regard to the importance of building relationships? Well, I'm happy to say that, of course, we have relationships with all our customers and they're the same core values and also with our business partners, our vendors, our suppliers and things. And over the years, we've had some very challenging times with storms and COVID and, and supply chain challenges and all those things. And each time, I'm just amazed at how our partners, our business suppliers, our suppliers have stepped up because they care, because they know we care and we've been there for them. And you know, all I do is, hey, I pay my bill every month. And we appreciate that. It's amazing how people don't do that and things. 
I know they have business to run, they've got profits to make, and I don't try and I just treat them like I want to be treated and things. And it always pays dividends. Again, just that authentic being who you are and treating your customers, your employee, and people in your community like you want to be treated. And there's a book called Firms of Endearment, and they've actually studied companies, public corporations that operate according to these tenants. And they're far more profitable and more sustainable than people who are looking for immediate gratification or the maximum return on their dollars. I'll just add on to that, that so much of this is just about relationships at the end of the day. That's what it means to lean into the human nature of capitalism and business, that it's all about relationships that you engage with one another and understanding the interconnection that we all have of between your different stakeholders and the relationships people have with each other and with the purpose of the company and everything that they're doing. So you can even just reframe so much of conscious capitalism as thinking about relationships between individuals and how business can facilitate stronger, more cohesive relationships between people instead of breaking them down and challenging them. Perfect. Really appreciate you guys both touching on those points. And so for those who want to learn more about yourself, Roy, or Alex, or your businesses, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? Well, you can always go on the net at permaseal.net. We're a Chicagoland-based organization. We get in Northwest Indiana a little bit. But if anybody wants to reach out to me and just talk about conscious capitalism, I'm available all the time. I can't talk enough about it. Like I say, it's extremely important that the world knows that conscious businesses are out there and we're making a difference. It's a growing movement. It's like the perfect time with the labor shortage and government intervention and things like that. This is the time where capitalists need to step up and become leaders. And the young people need to know that conscious capitalism is the best solution to the problems we have. So anything I can do to help encourage others in their business or forwarding the movement, I'd be happy to. And I'll just add that for anyone who wants to learn more about conscious capitalism, get involved in the community, get support from other conscious capitalist leaders out there, the best thing to do is just go to our website, consciouscapitalism.org, to hear from other leaders like Roy, read their stories, watch the videos about them, and then get involved in one of our networks, whether it's the Senior Leader Network, which is a global network of conscious capitalist leaders, or a local chapter, or participate in one of our virtual gatherings just to meet people. Because we are here to support every conscious capitalist out there on your journey, and you don't have to do this alone. There are so many incredible business leaders who have been doing this for a long time and want to support you, and they're all a part of the conscious capitalism community waiting to connect with you. Well, perfect. Thanks, guys, for mentioning that. So thank you again for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Roy. Thank you, William. Thank you, William, and thank you, Roy. You've been listening to Mitten Money sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com.